Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 20th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 54, starting with the last paragraph. Our readers today are Lynn S., Larry K., and Rachel W. The reference number for Tuesday, April 19th, is 8674. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deanna B. to read the 12 steps. Thank you. This is Deanna B. from Chicago. Uh, One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna. And I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 traditions. Yes, good morning, everyone. My name is Christine M., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Missouri. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God who may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. 
three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an AA group are never endorsed by an answer letting the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Christine. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 54, starting with the last paragraph, hence we saw that reason, and we will be reading through three paragraphs and concentrating our shares on the second and third paragraph. I will ask Lynn S. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Hence we saw that reason isn't everything. Neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable, though it emanate from our best minds. What about people who proved that man could never fly? Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves. For deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. Good morning, it's Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. It's, um, I can't tell you the profound effect that 
that happened to me yesterday when we read about the spiritual liberation from this world, it really struck me how strong that was and how that had happened to me. And the reason that it happened to me was this deep down fundamental idea of something. I didn't know in the beginning that it was God because I had a problem with God. But I knew that deep down inside me there was something and we used to call it divine discontent because I had such ideals about life. I had such morals and I'm not talking about the great lofty ones and the unreasonable demands but just to be nice to people, to be able to get along, to be able to be one in a group, to fit in, to do well at work, not to be a superstar, but just to do well. And I think the main one was to just not be so gosh darn miserable all the time. And I couldn't do it. It was beyond me. But there was that nugget inside me, and and I think because I couldn't do it, and because I was often so many times living dramatically opposed to the way I wanted to live, that was that divine discontent. That was that spark. That was the spark that got me into program. I'll never forget that moment in my kitchen, you know, making this Diet Tuesday lunch with cottage cheese and cutting up caraway seeds and, and just the tears streaming down my face going, I cannot eat like this anymore and I cannot live like this anymore. There's something wrong with me. And that's that's what got me into program, and that's what's kept me in program since 1989. Even though I went through a terrible eight-year relapse, I never stopped coming to meetings because there was that one seed in me that wants me to recover that wants an incredible life for me, that wants me to be able to fit in, to be one of the group, to lead a happy, joyous, and free life. That's what keeps me here. That's what brings me back to the steps every time I get off track. That's what's allowed me to live an incredible life. Since I came into program, that's what allows me to get rid of the calamity that blocks me from the power of God so that I can connect and I can live my life. I'm so grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. And who would like to share on the second and third paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, Bella. Kim G. Kim G. Melissa C. Melissa C. Vasa O. Vasa. Anyone else? Okay, we will start with Bella. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Julie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such beautiful reading today. Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight. Yes, and I, I am still in this wonderful flight. You know, before the program... You know, I cannot even say that I was living because I was connected only to my ego. My life was miserable. My life was based on jealousy and competition and never enough. And, 
you know, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust nobody. I didn't accept myself. I didn't accept nobody. I was, you know, I was miserable. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today, by living the 12 steps, yes, I live. I live in freedom. Today, I am connected to a loving, accepting power. Today, thank you, God, I know that I am powerless. I am human, and I am not perfect. I will never be perfect, and nobody is perfect. Today, I, you know, I am not living in jealousy and competition. And today, yes, I know I accept myself with my character defect. And thank you, God, I am not, I don't have to stay in the level of character defect. Today, I have the 12 steps, the tools, the everyday tools to know how to deal with my character defect. And today, you know, I don't have to build a, a tower of resentments and fear. Today, I know what to do. I have the tools. And today, I am not scared for from from feeling the fear and the pain and the disappointment. Today, thank you, God, I know and I have the tools how to deal with this and not to get lost. And thank you, God, that today I don't have, I don't need the approval of my existence. And this is the flight, the freedom in my life today. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Kim G, you're next. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I feel so passionate about this this paragraph. You know, it says, actually, we are fooling ourselves for deep down that every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God or any kind of power. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things. You know, if, if all I need to know, know is that God is the answer and I can do that in and of myself, then there's no reason for the rest of the steps. Three through 12 would be irrelevant. We could have a two-step program. You know, when I did that special edition about a month ago, the common theme I was seeing from the phone calls I was getting was that a lot of people were picking up the food and trying to do 10 and 11. They were saying, okay, I need to have a relationship with this power, so I'm just going to practice 10 and 11, even though I'm picking up every day, every three days, every four days. The purpose of the steps, let's look at that. You know, steps 1 through 9 get us unblocked from a power. Steps 10, 11, and 12 keep, keep us unblocked. So how can I do 10 and 11 if I am still blocked? You know, if that, that power is deep down inside me, what are the steps doing? I have to dig that out. I have to get unblocked from all those things that I put between me and my power. So in step four and five, we look at our, our, our resentments, our fears, our sex conduct, and they're cast to one side. In six and seven, we find out those character defects that are blocking us, and they're cast to one side. In eight and nine, we get rid of the guilt, the shame, remorse of how we've treated others, and we get to the one, we cast them to one side. So by trying to put down the food today and do 10 and 11 today, to me it's like a child picking up a math book and learning addition and subtraction and then being told, well, why don't you just do calculus? I, I know that you haven't done the chapters in between, but calculus is your goal, so let's just do calculus. You know, the book is in order for a reason. It doesn't go page 55 to page 86. 
It goes page 55 to 56 to 57 to 58 to 59. You know, check your own experience. I mean, I know my frustration of trying to do that, my feeling like a loser because I'm being told that 10 and 11 is the, is the answer, but I can't do that yet. Why? Because I'm not supposed to be able to do it yet. I haven't learned the skill set of 10 and 11. I haven't been absent. I haven't been unblocked yet. I feel the pain of people trying to do the steps as a twister game. Right hand red, left hand blue. I did that for many years. But let me tell you, the book is in order for a reason. The steps are numbered for a reason. So for those of you who are in pain, who are working the steps while you're, while you're in the food, understand the steps are not supposed to work. Today we're being told that this power is deep down inside of us. The next step is steps 3 through 12. You can't get access to that power until you've done all the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Melissa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, when I think about rising above my troubles, my problems, um, it's just, it's so comforting because it doesn't say that my problems will no longer exist, you know. And, and I think that was my misconception for a long time, why I lacked um, faith is I thought that I could wish for something, and that's what I should get. And, you know, it doesn't work that way, but I can rise above my problems, you know, that the troubles around me, um, they don't weigh me down like the same way anymore. You know, they don't, um, they don't call my name all day long. You know, there's problems, and yet I have to diligent up to rise above it, to live, and, um, and the fundamental, you know, idea that God is inside all of us, um, that's just, it's so, it's so comforting to me. It's so, um, I'm not alone, you know. And that, um, when I was finally able to recognize that, yeah, my higher power exists inside of me. It's not in the heavens above. It's not a magic genie. It's this beautiful power that I have, you know, I had blocked myself off from, and I had put all sorts of barriers in between tapping into something that was just right inside my heart. And, you know, in the beginning for me, um, my higher power was just, um, I'm still here, I'm breathing, my heart is beating, my, my hand is dialing in a number, you know, it was that spark of faith that there was something, um, you know, propelling me forward. And from that, you know, I, I got a little willing. I got some willingness to continue on with the work. And then a relationship could grow with that power that's within. And and that's what allows me to rise above my troubles. And thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Vasa O., you're next. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Julie, for your service. And I am recovered compulsive reader calling from Florida. Oh, my goodness, beautiful reading. For the first time in my life, I found something that I, I tried to achieve and I could not achieve, and I found hope when I came to, to the program. Just so grateful to a person that brought me. And I have even prayed to God even before this person came in my life, you know, um, but I knew there was something wrong, but I didn't know anything about 
food addiction, about eating disorders. I just knew I could not stop, that I had had been fighting this for many, many years. And finally I felt God answered my prayer. You know, he brought this person in my life and introduced me to the into the big book and OA. And uh, she twelfth at me, of course. She didn't say, you know, roughly what it meant, you know, step one, two, three, four. But, you know, I remember, like, I knew I was, I, I was powerless over the food addiction, and my life was unmanageable when it came to the food. I didn't think my, my life was unmanageable in other areas. But anyways, I, you know, I, I just was so ready and so willing to, to surrender, you know, and because what I was doing was just not working. And I was ready to say, I can, he can, I, and I let him. But the, first, the, the third step was the most important step. If I didn't do step one and two, I could have never done step three, to surrender to God and to just, put my food in God's hands and just to ask for help. And that was really, that was the key, even though I was afraid to surrender to God because I did grow up fearful punishing God, you know, but I had to take the chance. I had to take that risk, you know. I just felt like, Vasa, do it. If not, you're just going to keep on going and you're going to just die, you know. So I was ready to do to do that. And, uh, and yeah, and she said to me, just take one step at a time. Don't rush through the steps. And I was really, I needed to focus mostly on step one, two, and three. She just wanted to make sure that I understood, you know, and I did understand. I was powerless over the food. I, I had been looking for power greater than myself to people, doctors, you know, beside me. But what I really needed to do to really, really, let go of all those things and to surrender to God and let God guide me through going through the 12 steps. And, um, and, you know, and of course, I could have never done it without people like, you know, like us on the meeting to guide me and to help me, especially to do the fourth step. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Would anyone else like to share? Barbara D. Katie Barbara, B. Mary, Mary B. After, after Barbara B. and before Katie G., there was someone. Sally. Mary B. Mary Lydia. B. Reva Lydia. S. Reva Sally. Nessa R. Nessa. Okay, we're going to start with that. We're going to have Barbara B., Mary, Katie G., Reva P., Sally A., and Nessa. So Barbara um, B., please share. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Massachusetts. Both of these paragraphs are very important and the directions are very important and they take me back to early recovery when my first sponsor saw that I really needed this, as it says, another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation. Well, I was definitely in flight, but it was flight away from the world, away from everything, And the food took me into a world of fantasy. And with that sponsor, God bless her, she's passed tonight, and I give gratitude for her every day. Uh, She referred me to an AA pamphlet, an AA, a bird's eye view of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in it, it said that this experience is a flight into reality. It scared the life out of me. 
to have a flight that would take me to the real world, to have food out of the way and be able to relate and deal with my feelings without that crutch, that pacifier. So that experience of the 12 steps that was and the abstinence, which was the launching pad for this flight, is just amazing to me and remarkable, and I'm in awe of it. Whenever this image comes up, I'm taken back there. I'm also taken back in the second paragraph to my very first meeting and years ago uh, about deep down inside every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea. Well, I wanted that to be deep down inside of me. I always did, but it was always out there. It was always a God someplace else because I was religious, but I didn't have a God within. It was always out there. And, of course, the food prevented a channel. The insides were clogged. The anger, the fear, the self-hatred, all of that was filled, filling up the insides so I couldn't get in touch with anything else in there. And at my very first meeting, thank God for that person who said when she talked about this idea of God and God within and the worship of other things, she said, well, if you're going to continue to have a false god, then just take that bowl and put it in a cha- on a chair and put the chair on the table and bow down. And what an impact that image had on me. And as we read it today, I'm called back to the power of it that began um, my spiritual journey. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. And Mary G., you're next. Good morning. This is Mary B. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Julie. Thank you for your service. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Um, uh, When I was in the food, and I'm a down and dirty binger, I had a disease of more. I would eat until I was sick. And then in my sick mind, the only thing that would make me feel better was more food. And I would continue to eat. When I came into Overeaters Anonymous many years ago, I developed a hunger for a higher power. And even though it took many years and a lot of uh, relapse, a lot of going forward and going back, going forward and going back, I continued to work at seeking that higher power that would solve my problem. And and the more I learned and the more I found it, the more hunger I developed for that power. And when I called in to my first um, Vision for You meeting um, about a year and a half ago, that was what I heard here. I was um, I was abstinent. I, I was abstinent for about nine years at the time at my goal weight, very happy, happy with my program, had sponsees and a wonderful sponsor, um, going to meetings. I was doing all, all the work. I was happy. And a word that was used this morning that I have used many times, feeling that divine discontent. And when I called into the first meeting of A Vision for You, that's what I heard here. 
I heard more. And that's what I have received from this wonderful program that I am very grateful for. And I am so grateful that I look for any opportunity to give service, to keep this going, to keep it strong the way it is. And I just want to express my appreciation for the opportunity to share and to be of service and for everything that I have received and uh, the opportunity to give back even just a little bit this morning. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Mary B. And Katie G., you're next. Hey, Julie, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Thanks for your serving. It's good morning. Katie G., recovered compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. And um, deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God. And um, what I love about this chapter is that it shows me how I worshipped everything else. You know, and um, it was pretty and continues to be pretty powerful as um, as a recovered woman just for today to recognize where I'm blocked, where I'm agnostic currently in my life. Um, but this statement about deep down in me, deep down in me is the idea of God. Like when I first came in um, and before I did the work, um, I um, hated people and myself and there weren't enough of people to hate. Um, I didn't believe that there was anything inside myself. I didn't believe that God, that I'd done anything good enough for God and that I needed to perform for God. And um, what's been so powerful is that the steps are like this great equalizer, right? Because um, with my first round of the steps, um, when I did them eight years ago, I could uncover, discover, and discard all these hateful things that I had done, that I had perceived, all the ways in which I hated people, all the ways I behaved, all my misconceptions, and all of a sudden there were not there was not this world where there were people who were better than me and worse than me. But all of a sudden we were all walking shoulder to shoulder and um this process of being deep down, I mean, for me, what that means, as everybody has so well articulated, is that I can't just go from step one to God. Um, I get to God by being entirely abstinent and then working through the steps as they are in order. And look, guys, I've gone back to the food four times because what happened is my thinking got so bad I stopped accepting powerlessness and eating was a step up from my thinking and I didn't remember that God was inside me and I didn't need to beat you all up to get my stuff right because when I'm beating everybody else up I'm going to eat that's just what's going to happen and so for me the most powerful thing has been to go back to step one and identify where is where did I miss the mark and what is my current powerlessness and what is my current unmanageability because I am recovered but I am recovered only for today and granted that means that I have this privilege of not wanting the food and of feeling feelings and acting differently and knowing that this God is inside me and it changes me every day so what a gift, what a pleasure it is to be with all of you this morning. I'm doing it with all of you today, one more day, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Reva P. 
Good morning. This is Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I love these um, the second and third paragraphs on page 55 because um, I remember very distinctly when I came into program, um, I definitely worshipped people, um, reputation in my work, sentiment, things, money, and my ego was huge um, and still tends to get in the way. Um, But when I heard this step, um, it wasn't stated as clearly as I'm hearing now on this meeting how step two is the need for a power greater than myself. But I still don't have access, as other people have shared, I don't have access to that power in step two. I don't get access to that power until step 11. And I thought I was supposed to need a higher power, pray, And then instead of the word miraculous, it was supposed to be almost magical. I was supposed to do this thing that I perceived turn it over meant, oh, just turn it over, and now I'm calm, serene, and everything's working out. Um, I didn't realize that the obscurity of the calamity, which is calamity mainly in my head and my thinking, and my ego and thinking other people um, are either the solution or the problem, um, I didn't realize that the only way I can even see the obs- what's, a, what's blocking me, the obscurity, like it's vague, it's so foggy, I can't see clearly, is by doing the rest of the work um, until I get to step 11. Um, and I was searching everywhere in program. I was searching for the right sponsor, the right prayer, the right meeting. Um, and I love how he says it twice, deep down, because for me, I have to search I have to finally, finally stop looking all around me, sit still, do the work, and then it's like, poof, it's like right there. It's the last place I'm going to look, the most obvious place, deep down within me. Because as I do the step work, solutions are revealed, just like that, just like with ease, Um It's not efforting and trying and figuring out and fighting, fighting, fighting. And even in the last sentence, because it's like Bill knows exactly what my head is saying. Only there. Only there. I'm not going to find it in the diet. I'm not going to find it in the people, even in program. The people help me access the power by guiding me through the steps. Um, They don't, you know, do a magic as somebody shares on this line, pixie dust thing. Um, So it's miraculous, but it's not magic. And, you know, it's not that hard. I just have to follow the simple steps. Um, I'm the one who makes it hard. Um, I try to figure it out without, I sort of feel like I can just bypass um, doing the work, but but that that doesn't work. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reba P. And Sally A., you're next. Okay, thank you, Julie. Just turning on my timer here. Thank you for letting me share on this chapter. I feel like we're all uh, walking away from the wreckage of this horrible accident, this this disease that we all have, and we all have different perspectives of what it looked like, what it what it has been like, and it's just um, a privilege to chime in here with with for me. This this is such a great section of the book because it really does describe an aspect of getting unblocked. Um, Bill so wisely um, tells us, he pulls it all together here, that um, deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea, the idea 
of God, and it may be obscured by, and here he is, he's giving us a list of everything he's been talking about, what, what we've been blocked for, by the calamities, by our pride, by our prejudice, by the worship of other things, all the things we've been talking about, but in some form or other, it is there. And then he goes on to say in this next paragraph, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. I love that because it's like when you meet a new friend and you have no idea what you've met, you don't realize that this person that you just met might actually be a very significant person in your life, but you just are meeting them so you don't exactly know what this friendship is going to be. That's what it's like for me when I first had my encounter, made contact with God. And, and, you know, we all have different perspectives on this. And for me, it really started in step three. It was like a conduit under a road that was filled with brush and leaves and twigs and some old, some old door, somebody old washing machine that was blocking this conduit that runs under a road that's supposed to have water running through it. And for me, the conduit began to get cleaned out when I had that step three, when I made a decision to turn and I said to God, I'm mad at you. And I heard in my head that tiny, still voice that said, I know. It was the beginning of a trickle of getting unblocked. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. I was not happy. In fact, I was scared to turn to God because my trust was very broken in God. So all of this really, this, this part about searching fearlessly is about the fact that it does take courage. Courage, man. It takes courage to turn to God. It takes courage. It takes courage to open up a new friendship when, when perhaps you might say, I don't need any more friends. I have plenty of friends. And then the thought comes to you, maybe they need your friendship. And that's what I feel this, this page is about. It's about opening the door. And we have a God that is, my God is a gentleman. He doesn't push the door open and stick his foot in the door and say, come on, give me a chance, let me in. He waits patiently for me to say, I'm mad at you. I don't like how you've been my God. All right, I've said a lot. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Nessa R. Hi. <clears throat> Sorry. Good morning, Vision for you. My name is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. I've often wondered why uh, this wording is, is in this part of the book. You know, why are we talking about spiritual flight here? You know, especially when I'm so stuck. Um, somebody's muted and ruffling with things that you can um, renew because it's quite distracting, please. Um, so um, why am I talking about spiritual flight when I'm stuck? Because at step two, I am still stuck. And, you know, even though in step one I have admitted that I am powerless, I may still have trouble recognizing that I need power, you know, that if my power is, that if my problem is powerlessness and my solution is power. Some of us don't know we need God, and some of us do know, but resist the idea of God. So I think that this is here to show me that the way I've been living life is not working for me. You know, I think that essentially all people want the same thing out of life. Everybody wants happiness. Everybody wants you know, uh, freedom, you know, from hassles and heartache and, and all these things. And we all pursue the same things. But I, I, I have just been looking for all those things in, 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 in the wrong places. I, 
Um, I tried many different ways of getting what I wanted, which ultimately was, of course, happiness, and it was backfiring. I was looking for wealth and beauty and a thin body, relationships, you know, getting people to behave this way or that way, you know, just, just pursuing my, my little plans and designs. And so I think that this language is here to show me that there is a better way. And it's only a better way, but in, in the grand scheme of things, it's an easier way because it only involves me. You know, I don't have to try to move the whole entri- entire world, or in my case, to try to bulldoze uh, the entire world into doing and, and, and acting uh, my way and living by my values. Um, it just tells me that I can only work for myself and... So it gives me a convincing argument for why I need that power. Um, I need that power so I can get what I ultimately want, which is to live happy, joyous, and free. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And do we have a few other people who would like to share on these paragraphs? Lydia. Lydia and Sarah. Kathy. Kathy, okay. Did I hear Sarah? Apparently not. Okay. Lydia, Kathy? Judy B. Judy. Judy B. Okay. Lydia, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for taking the meeting. And Lynn's lead was beautiful. It's Lydia in Texas. Grateful, compulsive eater in recovery. And uh, I've been listening... I usually listen. I don't I don't share on the line. I'm always so happy just to listen. I've been listening to this, my favorite chapter, um, these last few weeks and my fellows and especially my agnostic fellows who in one form or another have declared many times, um, I don't know. And I must say, I take exception with that because I think they do know. I listen to what they share. I hear the service that they're doing. And I, you know, because knowing is very different from defining. You know, we, we're here as human beings. We can only define with the limited human ability that we have and the human language that we have. You know, Einstein said, nothing worth knowing can be understood through the mind. And I love that. You know, it asserts the limited nature of our human mind. And, you know, we come here for a brief time. And this sense of the divine is inside of us. And in my view, we split off from the sacred, you know, creative source. And we necessarily have to leave most of our divinity behind in order to come here. You know, we agree to it. I guess we accept our ordination, as it were, to be little satellites. You know, we come onto this earth plane with a tiny bit of our divinity intact. But we have to adjust to our human state. And I certainly fumbled around for years, blocked by my food addiction and worldly clamors. And then one day, you know, it happens. And it happened for me more than once. And, you know, I know it happens for you. We surrender our hearts to the divine heart. I know it happens for you guys. You tell me that it happens. And it seems that this profound experience is similar for us. You know, when that voltage moves through us, you know, we weep with the understanding. And then You know, we somehow know that our purpose is, you know, we're destined for service. You know, we are here to work the light to the best of our ability, like little masters in training. And we have our beautiful course in mastery, you know, our program of the 12 principles, you know, that 
foster our higher learning and shape us into the way of the masters with the attributes of the masters, both ancient and modern, you know, honesty, hope, faith, as Sally said so beautifully, courage, integrity, and certainly compassion, patience, tolerance, and love. And, oh, you know, my will is only necessary for me while I'm here on earth, you know, but then ultimately we pass away and return to the one will, you know, the one source, the one path, and, oh, I could go on, but I just wanted to express my gratitude to all of my precious fellows on this line. I'm so grateful you reflect back to me, you know, the mastery in your unique ways every day. And as Sally also said, you know, it's a privilege. It's just a privilege to find myself among you. And that's enough out of me. Thanks, Julie, for the opportunity I passed. Thank you, Lydia. And Kathy, I did not get your last initial. You're next. Yes, um, Kathy S., uh, um, as in Sam from the uh, Philadelphia area. Um, this is only the f- maybe third time I've listened to, I've gotten up early enough to do this and uh, listen to this. But um, this weekend I was at a retreat um, and the person um, is a Vision for You attendee and did the big book um, in a way that I've never seen done. And um, I just sort of, you know, talks about the scales, you know, falling from our eyes. And I realized that this has been there all the time, that I've been in program. Um, but I I really thought that um, I was supposed to get abstinent and use the 12 steps to stay that way. And now I realize that I'm supposed to, ser- you know, serve God and others. Um, and I sort of was doing that, but not in the way that it was explained this weekend, uh, that that is the real purpose of the steps is to um, be helpful to others. So I this idea about God, um, you know, <laughs> um, I just there's there has been in the last year or so because of another program a deeper feeling, you know, a feeling of joy in my heart um, because I was able to get unblocked from something else. And um, I'm looking at my food a whole different way. Um, it's, you know, I just, I always believed in God um, before program uh, many years ago. I didn't really think he believed in me. And, um, you know, I just realize how grateful I am that I live in a time when there is this program and that people are delving into the big book to go back to the original source and, um, you know, how we eat is all up to us. Um, you know, we, we seem to impose rules on people, and it has to come from our higher power, what is best for us, because he's the ultimate. So um, I'm just truly grateful. Um, I can't express my gratitude for how wonderful it is. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy S. And Jody E., you were next. Yes. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Jody E., a grateful, recovered bulimic in California. Well, I'm um, I'm thinking about those of you on the line who may still be questioning these statements about God. We're being told here that deep down within us is the fundamental idea of God. Maybe or maybe not, do you believe that? Do you 
do you really believe that is true? And if that's the case for you, I would suggest maybe it's that word God that is the problem. And maybe if you can get, and also the pronoun he, that sometimes is a problem for people. Maybe if you can get beyond this word God that many people do subject to, maybe then you can see the spiritual liberation that in other people who have become recovered and you can just imagine maybe that there's something deep down within you that can do the same thing for you. Something is bringing recovery to those of us who become abstinent and stay abstinent, who work the steps and whose lives are changed for the better as a result. If you don't like the word God, if you don't like to call it he, don't let these words um, close your mind to the possibility that there is indeed something greater than yourself deep down within you that if you can get beyond the food, put down the food which you may have been worshipping and which may be blocking you, you too can have a relationship with this thing, whatever it may be, this mystery. And maybe this program, the, the fellowship, can be your higher power for a time until you tap into this something that we do not have to define. We do not have to just give it a name. We don't have to give it a gender. It really is up to us to conceive of this power greater than, than ourselves in a way that works for us. And thank you all who have shared. I'm enjoying this uh, discussion very much. Thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jody E. And Sarah W., you're next. Thank you so much for your service, Julie. This is Sarah W., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Um, for me, it, it really has always... Um, you know, I, I didn't see it so often in my life, whether it be I was utilizing other things that were, um, that became a higher power, or my self-loathing was so great that I didn't feel deserving of. Um, there's a wonderful book that's an AA book that's called Came to Believe. And I remember in my second year of recovery in 1996, I was given that book to read. And it is AA approved. Um, and what it what it is is all about different people's experiences of not only how they see a higher power, but how God has worked in their life, how a higher power has worked in their life. And it, it is an absolutely fabulous way to go about um, getting a little bit more information and hearing other people's point of view. And one of the things that I think is such an important piece of our program and the second step, which is really where we're at right now, 
uh, of course, is hope, but the idea of to hear different people's experience of how they view it, uh, to not limit ourselves to um, just a sponsor or a few people, but to talk to other people about uh, how they came to this place. And um, to me, um, you know, it is that God-sized hole that has been filled, and it, it, it is ever-changing. And, you know, we do see the words search and fearlessly in this paragraph. And I think, um, you know, it does take courage, but it takes, um, it takes the uh, desire, the desire for something different. We have to be at a place where we really want things to be different, where we're so uncomfortable where we're at that we're willing to look at it in a different way. Most of us have come to many different places to try to get help for our food addiction. And as pretty much most of us have found, is it's a much deeper problem than food. And the step and the way we get to live provides the opportunity to really have, as the story goes, freedom from bondage or the keys of the kingdom. And with that, I Thank you, Sarah W. Um, and I'm going to share for a minute or two before we are done. I'm Julie R., a recovered compulsive overeater. who talks about um, that that fundamental idea of God is obscured by calamity, pomp, worship, and other things. It was obscured by food at such an early age, um, and it was for survival, and, and it did its trick. It, it, it allowed me to continue through my childhood and um, to survive pretty much. And then after that, you know, came, you know, drugs and sex and whatnot, power, my job, my um, authority, my control. Because when I would feel that God that was always there, that spirit, it would scare me because I didn't know what to do with that power. It it was um, foreign. I knew it was something I needed to tap into, but I didn't know how. So there, I would, I would always, you know, the food was always there for me. And then when I was, quote, unquote, on a diet and um, thin but not well, the the men would come in and the spending. And, and my job has always been about control. Uh, you know, being a quality assurance manager, you know, I get to make sure everything is right. And... God would peek in there and just throw me off balance. Um, it, it scared me because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't do very well when I don't know what's going to be around the corner. It uh, rocks my world. And now it's such a freedom that when I do my nightly review and I see where that control and that power is peeking in, it's like, okay, I just need to let go and trust my higher power my great spirit to, to come and be there for me. I don't have to turn to food, spending, uh, drugs, sex, alcohol, all of those things. It's like I just have to be. And it's something that, you know, was always there, but I was afraid of it. And now it's like I relish in it. It's anytime I get a quiet time, I just, I can say the serenity prayer, the third step prayer, or do just Bless them, change me. That's my favorite mantra. That God is flourishing 
each and every day that I, Julie, can step away and say, okay, take this because I can't do this. <clears throat> so, oh, I hear Larry. I hear Larry. It must be time oh. for for page 164. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I'm so really me, not that important. You are. So let me see. Um, um, my brain is not functioning. Thank you for everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Larry, would you please read a vision for you? <laughs> Thanks for the cue. Thank you for your service. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to, uh, to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>